Hey friends, welcome to the astrology show. This is Kira, your host. Um, and yeah, it's Monday, August 31st. Um, it's just past midnight here on the West Coast. Yeah, I'm recording this pretty late. <laughs> My whole sleep schedule has been just completely messed up. Um, how's this, this Mars-Saturn square going for everyone? It's weird. It's It's a weird time. And, you know, I just hope that you're being kind to yourself and to others and knowing that Every single person on the planet is experiencing this energy in one way or another. Um, and yeah, I mean, just keep that in mind. And again, like lots and lots and lots of care, um, care for the self, care for the body, listening, 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 and we're going to make it through this. We're going to make it through the next couple months, especially. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this is episode three <laughs> of the show. Um, and I have a really great conversation for you all about the moon, Luna. Um, it's Monday right now <laughs> that we're recording this. I don't think, we might, I don't think we recorded it on a Monday, but regardless, Monday is moon day. Um, and I hope you can find a little bit of ease. If you're listening to this on Monday when I release it, um, or on any other day really, but I hope you can find some ease, um, through your day. We are nearing up to a full moon in Pisces on, I think it's on Tuesday, um, September 1st, right? I think so. Um, and that just feels like a moment of being able to really feel everything, feel the weight of everything that has gone down in the past couple days or weeks even. Um, just giving yourself a moment to like be in that um, and express it however however you feel, you know, resonates with you, whether that be needing to just kind of get out, get outside, be in nature, grieve, um, be in water and grieve. Baths are really good for Pisces moon, a Pisces full moon, long showers, just being, if you're, if you have access to a body of water, um, Maybe I'll go to the beach. I still haven't been to the beach yet over here in LA. But yeah, I think, you know, just allowing whatever to come up to come up. I think for full moons, it's really important to just like witness and notice and you don't really need to do anything. Um, there's not really much action that you need to like purposefully take except to just see what's blossoming and blooming and coming into light what's coming into awareness at this time um anyway I keep getting sidetracked I guess because it's like we're talking about the moon there's this full moon I keep staring at the the date it's August 31st my grandfather's birthday 
Um, yeah, and I guess I'm thinking about him too, a Virgo king. <laughs> he was great. Um, yeah, so I have this conversation for you. It's all about the moon, um, and it's with Bear River. He's back again. And um, Alice Sparkly Cat, who is also, well, no, their name is Ace, <laughs> but uh, stage name is Alice Sparkly Cat. They're known by Alice, Spark- Alice Sparkly Cat online. Um, and yeah, we, we talk about that too in the episode, but I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling because <laughs> it's almost 1 a.m. I shouldn't be telling you guys that, but whatever. What are rules? There's no rules here. Um, I'm gonna let, I'm just gonna get into it. I'm gonna stop talking so the episode plays, but just so you know, at the end, I will be reciting the Orphic Hymn to the Moon. Um, and, you know, I'll leave you with a little was it called housekeeping at the end of the episode? I should probably do it at the beginning. That's what like you're supposed to do, I think. I don't know. Who cares? I'm going to stop talking. I hope you guys love this episode. Yeah, so we have Bear River and Alice Sparkly Cat, aka Ace. Um, Ace, what do you like? What do you prefer? I guess you probably don't really have a preference, or do you? Oh, I prefer Ace actually. Okay. Okay. Cool. Do you just do? Is Alice Sparkly Cat kind of like your, like your name? Yeah. That my screen name when I was a teenager. Oh my gosh! Word. Wow. So it's had a long journey. I'm so happy that I'm not using screen names because yours is actually cool. So my screen names from when I was a teenager were like Hawthorne Heights lyrics <laughs> and stuff. So, um, okay, so yes, we have Ace, um, a.k.a. Alice Barkley Cat and Bear River here, and I'm going to have them introduce themselves. Um, yeah, let's see. And also just for... Just for the hell of it, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know that it's Tuesday, August 11th that we're recording right now, and it's 4.10 p.m. Um, in Los Angeles, where, where I'm currently located, and I'll let Bear and Ace talk about where they're located. Um, yeah, Ace, why don't you start? Okay. Um, tell us about yourself and your practice, and uh, if you're comfortable sharing some info about your chart, like your sun, moon, and rising, that'd be cool, too. Oh, that sounds good. Um, my name is Ace, or Alice Berkeley Cat. Uh, I'm an Aquarius rising, uh, Aries sun, and a Cancer moon. Um, I am in Brooklyn, New York, and it is 7.11 p.m. here. Um, cool. Yeah, I do client work and some writing and astrology. More than just some. I mean, you have you have a couple books out there. <laughs> um, yeah, why don't you tell us about your books? Oh, yeah. Um, I have a book called Astrology and Storytelling. So you take your chart and you learn astrology uh, by writing a story using the chart in that book. So it's a workbook. 
Um, I have some other books. Um, the one that's gonna come out next uh, year, next or this coming May, is gonna be called Postcolonial Astrology. So a look at the seven traditional planets, but I guess like look at uh, Western astrology in terms of how it might enforce Western ideals. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, in addition to your books, you also make really great memes. So if you aren't somehow already following Ace on social media, um, definitely check them out because they have some of the best meme, the best astro memes out there. I would, I personally think so at least. Um, yeah. So, how about you, Bear? Tell us more about yourself. I mean, I know you were <laughs> just talked to you yeah. <laughs> on our first episode, but. Um, in case, you know, people haven't tuned into that yet, please share more. Yeah. So my name is Bear River. I'm located in the Bay Area in, um, in a town called Penol, but it's unceded Huchin uh, Ohlone territory. I think that's the most important takeaway there. Um, I've come from a, what seems like a very normal background to me, but I guess a very mixed background. I've got ancestors who are indigenous to this continent and ancestors who were enslaved on this continent and ancestors who were some of the first people to colonize this continent. So it's a interesting thing that I'm always navigating, figuring out how to speak truth to, um, to powers, truth to our histories, and also to figure out where we can find a place of empowerment and rootedness wherever it is that we are. Um, I'm a teaching astrologer, lecturing astrologer, <clears throat> counseling astrologer, and I've recently stepped on to a couple boards and uh, the NCGR San Francisco's chapter. I'm their outreach chair, and I just stepped onto the AFAN steering committee. Awesome. Congrats on those new new positions. Thank That's you. really cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, how do we all know each other? I know you guys have worked together a bit. I've worked with Bear. I've worked with Ace. Um, I know, I know, Ace, how do I know you? I, I guess it's just I reached out to you about um the dinners that i was hosting right or no maybe it was even before that i don't i feel like i don't remember yeah i feel like we met through influx like yeah yeah is that how i first yes actually it was through yellow jackets oh Oh, no you introduced me to them i don't remember i mean i feel like maybe like like i know we have a mutual friend in common that's taylor so maybe we met through taylor oh Right. Yeah, I think it was all around the same time. I, I guess I had reached out to you about Influx, but it was maybe it was also around the same time I was reaching out to Yellow Jackets Collective. Yeah. And I came to your your book launch um, at was it like the writers? In, yeah, it was like that's Asian writers. OK, OK. Yeah, I came to your book launch and I don't even know if we talked there. Maybe we talked for a little bit, but um somehow somewhere like around last summer we became acquainted yeah. <laughs> with each other and uh and then yeah you you wrote a little bit for us for influx um and then i saw you you came to a couple of the new york city yeah. astrologers dinners that i that i used to host um so yeah we've known each other for about a year um and then bear and i met at norwac mm-hmm. We met in this lifetime at Norwalk last year because yes. <laughs> um, we've, I just remember coming up to you and like, 
I think almost immediately putting my arm around you and then being like, is that weird? I don't, I don't think we've ever met before. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt so comfortable with you from the get. And I think we do have this, um, this nodal, nodal sinistry going on with our, uh, your ascendant and my south node. Mm. So I feel like there's just this very natural connection between us. Um, and yeah, we kind of, our like brains collided at Norwalk and then we were like, let's make magic together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we've been, we've been friends ever since then. Yeah. And how about you two? I mean, you guys worked together for QAC, the queer astrology conference. Did you know each other before that? I think we met when Ari did like a zoom call with a bunch of mm-hmm. people actually. Yeah. And I, you were at Norwalk 2019, right? Uh, I feel like we met very briefly in person. Oh, really? Okay. Um, like I very was briefly. There. I, was there. I feel like it was like someone was like, "Hey, you two should know each other." Hello, you've been oh, introduced, okay. and then like the chaos of the lobby at Norwalk. But actually, like I didn't talk to anyone at Norwalk. Um, no. So it might not mm. have been me, but I was there. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It might not have been me. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I remember I sat next to you in like one lecture. Yeah. And then I don't think I saw you most of the rest of the time. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully it, in Norwex of the future, it'll happen. Yes. Um, anyway, to, to kind of jump into our, our topic um, for the day, mm-hmm. the moon. We're talking about the moon. And there's a couple, reason why, couple reasons why I asked you to specifically um, to be on this episode one, I remember, I mean, you both have like put out work around the moon that I've, you know, gotten a lot out of. Um, Ace, I know you, you're probably the first person that I've seen talk about the moon as race and in this very, um, I guess, like political way you could put it. Um, and Bear, you, I mean, the moon's, you're, you're lunar, you're ruled by the moon, mm-hmm. Cancer rising. Yep. Um, and, and Ace has the Cancer moon too, but, but yeah, you being ruled by the moon and also being ruled by a full moon, it's, and it's such a huge part of your work. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, whenever I hear you even just talk about your practice, it just sounds so lunar, lunar oriented. (laughs) So, and then I, and then I went to your lecture, um, a couple of months ago for WASA, Mm -hmm. um, Washington State what is it? Astrological Association? Association of Astrologers, but yeah. Astrology, okay, yeah. close enough. That yeah, Mercury and Sag doing the mix-up thing. Words in there. <laughs> yeah, so I went to that and it I stayed up till midnight my time taking notes. Um, and it yeah, I have like a whole like five pages of really nicely done notes based off of your yes. your um, lecture. So. Yeah, you two seems like, and then again, you're both very, you have the cancer thing going on, the rising, the moon, and um, I felt like you both would be really good people to talk to about Luna. Um, And so, yeah, I guess to start off, well, let's talk about our, well, maybe we don't don't have to talk about our moon signs, but like to identify them. Um, I'm an Aries moon, and Ace, you're a cancer moon, and Bear. An Aquarius moon. Aquarius full moon, um, which we just had a couple, like a week ago or so. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
let's talk about like just general significations of the moon. Like what what does the moon represent in your birth chart? What does it represent just like astrologically? What are some things that come to mind for you guys? So many things. I mean, I guess the first <laughs> thing that came to mind, cancer rising, right? Food. Um, yeah. You know, before we got the ABCs, if I understand the, the history correctly, before we got the ABCs of astrology, which is, you know, Mercury equals Virgo equals the sixth house. Um, when people thought assimilation and digestion, we thought the moon. Um, so that's the first place that I go. And then from there, there's a lot of stuff that just naturally builds on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess when I think of the moon, like, I feel like there's this weird gender thing that, um, like, a lot of people do with, like, the sun and moon. And, mm-hmm. um, like, when I was researching the moon for the book, um, it was kind of interesting because I guess, like, the weird gender thing was, like, kind of connected to, like, material versus spirit and, like, mm-hmm. material versus abstraction. Um, and, um, yeah, just thinking of, about how, like, the moon, it was, like, related to beaches and beaches were where the markets were, the first market. So the moon is, like, related to trade. Um, mm. and, um, I guess just thinking about, um, how, like, like we think about the moon, like it's food, it's eating, it's consumption. So, um, I would relate the moon to consumerism. Um, a lot of the times, like, um, like, I guess like, like thinking about the moon, like as a market or as a market force, um, it is like a gendered and raced thing too. Um, and, uh, I guess like, um, like, I feel like the difference between the moon and Venus in terms of gender would be, like, um, like the moon is really, like, rep- uh, representing re- reproductive labor, um, which is not really a social gender. Um, it's more mm-hmm. of a um, labor. Right. Yeah. Whereas Venus, would, to compare it with Venus. Mm-hmm. Um, Venus would be, like, more of the social impacts of gender. Hmm. Yeah. That's such an interesting, like, interesting is not the right word. Not that it's not interesting, but, um, yeah, it's such a cool way to frame it that I haven't, I'm sure, yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought of it that way. Um, yeah, and then kind of, like, pulling it back to, you, you both mentioned, um, consumption and, and, like, the act of feeding, or when I think of the moon, I, I think of feeding as well, but also, like gathering and then nurturing. Um, I just think about how the moon like grows in light and that kind of, for me, I don't know where where this came from, but the the idea of it like, you know, gathering light and then transmitting it to other planets um, as it moves through the zodiac monthly. Um, There is, I like that what you said about trade, um, Ace, because that makes me think about the moon having its joy in the third house, um, which isn't necessarily about, you know, like trade and, and like the material, um, you know, give and take way, which might be more a second house thing, but in the sense of it just being a very like busy, a busy thing, like there's with the third house, there is this sense of like constant flow and, um, yeah, like having to, to kind of like balance a lot of different things at once um, that I think of when, when I'm thinking about the moon and its joy in the third. Yeah, something um, that I um, 
what I found interesting when researching the moon was like a lot of the things we like now associate with Mercury, like being kind of like two faced or glib, or like like it used to be like the moon. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've I've learned I've that's something I've come across too when like learning Hellenistic and traditional astrology over time is that there is that conflation. Bear, have you come across that too? Oh yeah, I mean yeah. that's like as I said before, you know, ABC stuff definitely comes up there. So, you know, we think if you are if, if you've studied Hellenistic, then you'll go, okay, what are the joy? What do the planetary joys have to? tell me about this given planet or what does that planet tell me about that house um but if you have come up in modern astrology which i think most most people who came into astrology after the internet was well established will have had that sort of introduction then you'll kind of think gemini and mercury and there's a huge overlap there specifically i've been thinking a lot about um working with gemini brett a bit about what we can learn from just looking up in the sky and i think that's um, as you two were talking about, you know, the moon and trade and the moon's face changing, I was thinking about, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, the moon is the one who's communicating and going around as the messenger between the planets. Um, and Mercury, if we think about trying to see Mercury, that's where we get that, like, slippery, invisible, wily nature um, and probably hermeticism-type connections with the occult. Because if you if you can see Mercury, it will be very difficult, even if you are looking in the exact right spot, just because of when and how mercury is visible in the sky if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that really that really resonates have you ever tried to see mercury either of you no. yeah it's really i i saw it once during that total that total lunar eclipse in leo in 2017 oh, um because nice. it because mercury was really close to the sun at that point i remember like seeing it for a split second um but yeah, and I think might have seen it around sunrise once, like a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, it's like very because that's the thing you think you see it and you're like, is that it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very has that very like it's flighty just a glimmer of light. To it. And I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, what are some other things? I mean, there's there's the association with like like a monthly cycle too, like our mm-hmm. months literally like th- that word must come from a word having to do with moon right like <laughs> the mo i don't know that could just be my brain trying to make associations where there aren't any but um but yeah the fact that the moon the moon takes around 28 and a half days um to move through the zodiac and how we that kind of sections off a certain amount of you know lunar cycles per year and how some some um cultures that's what their calendar is based off of um yeah so it does have this connection to time sort of like saturn does but in a more short-term sense Mm -hmm. whereas saturn's more about that like longer term you know 30-year cycle um i've always really liked that association between the moon and saturn with like the 30 day 30 year i don't know correlation um yeah i don't know anything else that comes to mind yeah the moon's also associated with silver um and then like Mm -hmm. uh the sun with gold and then um yeah like i was looking up the like i guess the two metals and um like gold was something that was kind of like 
like mined, extracted from the ground, but then reburied in cultural capitals uh, like New York and mm. London, um, taken from mm. South Africa, reburied in New York and London. And then the mm-hmm. moon, um, like silver is like, actually like um, the history of silver in the economy has a lot to do with the history of speculation. Um, so it mm. like it was a metal that like um, realized monetary value in the marketplace. Whereas gold was like more of like realizing value through being hoarded. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just thinking about, you know, as you said before, Ace, like the going way, way back, the moon being related to material things, and we can think about like, etymology there. Um, mater, like both mom and matter, take the same root. Um, and you're right, Kira. The, um, I just took a quick peek, and it, is, it comes out of, like, Germanic, the month. Um, so literally just coming from the word moon. Um, but if we think about, like, the moon is material and the sun is abstraction, we know that gold is literally, like, the elements that are coming out of stars. So there's a very finite amount, but that, that abstract wealth only exists when one takes the time to hoard it, but actual, like... If I remember my history correctly, silver was much more likely to be used to actually coin. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would have like literal hand-to-hand exchange going on mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. silver, whereas gold was more about like conquest and the abstraction of borders and land ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just thinking about like, yeah, the moon being so so material, something we touch. Like, and I'm thinking about tons of stuff, like silver candlesticks and silver this, like. Mm-hmm. Um, even using silver as part of the process of plating gold, if I remember correctly. Mm. Yeah. And in film, mm. too. Silver is used in mm. film. Uh, silver yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I made a um, film developer once for chemistry class in high school. Nice. <laughs> I remember having to do that. Um, what about the, the connection with um, the idea of like parenting or just like caretaking and nurturing that's associated with the moon. Um, Cause that's kind of what I think one of my like first associations would be is not just mothers, but you know, parenting or, or caretaking in general mm-hmm. and the idea of um, nurturing something and nurturing it in order for it to grow. Um, yeah. Do you guys have thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> like equally curious and also of like what Ace has to say and wanting to you know, try to figure out who gets to speak with the digital stuff. Um, I mean, I definitely am thinking about um, last, no, this year's Norwalk, Norwalk 2020, listening to Mark Jones talk about um, essentially like early psychological development and what we can see both in following the signs um, and also thinking about the planets that rule those signs. But I've been thinking a lot, you know, I've got a moon ruled and a full moon at that. So obviously, like, that's pretty significant in my own life. And I can see some pretty classic Aquarius moon themes there. But thinking about, you know, um, I spent some time working with, with, uh, with kids and spent a year with elementary kids and thinking about the difference between um, simply providing an environment where kids can explore and develop and do their thing versus nurturing them specifically um and those definitely are two different things like i can think about 
you know, the sun just shines and if their plants are there and ready and they have their leaves and they get to get some sun energy and they're good to go versus like literally tending a garden where you're thinking, okay, where do I put you? Yeah, the sun's going to shine, but I want to get you just the right amount of sunshine to do your thing and just the right amount of this. I feel like um, the moon really speaks to one's like level of attunement with the environment or ability to attune and adapt to the specific environment versus um you know versus like the sun just having you either do or don't have the right set of stuff to make use of the environment around you or the stuff that is given to you either does or doesn't work i feel like the moon is really about getting in there and finessing that relationship yeah i like that a lot that makes a lot of sense especially the garden analogy um yeah ace do you have any thoughts on that um yeah i guess like like in terms of the client work um i feel like there's like always like kind of like two moons like there's like the like parent who's a nurturer like as like an overarching archetype um and Mm -hmm. then there's like how the client like might have like actually experienced parenting um and yeah i don't know i feel like for everyone it's so different um so like i feel like talking about the moon is like um, definitely really useful for um, just talking about like comfort and how that might um, like place where displace people um, and just picking off those conversations um, yeah. yeah yeah the moon sign is as what is comfortable for you or mm-hmm. how you experience com- comfort um, yeah that definitely resonates I mean do you guys want to speak to like an experience or just a general experience you have with your moon sign in regards to things like comfort or like how you are nurtured or how you nurture others mm-hmm. um, my moon's in cancer uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um, my south node is also in cancer so i have south node in cancer and north node in capricorn um, i actually experienced my family as like very um like like I feel like the way that my parents reacted to whiteness was just to, like, contain the family. Be like, you can't go outside. Mm. Um, so, like, you know, South Node and Cancer, I felt, like, emotionally held hostage in many ways. Um, that's how I would experience the hmm. How about you, Bear? That's so real. I like that you spoke to the nodes there because I feel like we really can't properly dig into the moon without also talking about the sun and the nodes to some extent Mm -hmm. um yeah so i have an aquarius moon and it's a full moon at that we know aquarius can't see cancer so i also have like a dark moon uh, or dark house moon or a moon that's an aversion to the ascendant so i definitely have this experience of not really being able to see and not being able to be seen by the concepts of like comfort and nurturing um i can definitely you know i've obviously experienced it because i grew up to be a somewhat adjusted human um Mm -hmm. and so i can see it in a very intellectual kind of way and go oh yes i see that these things happened in my childhood therefore this was going on with my caretakers um but i don't actually find comfort to be something that's enjoyable um for the most part um obviously there you know who doesn't like a soft sweater out of the dryer? Who doesn't like a nice, literally physically comfortable place to sit down and, and relax? But the idea of like, oh, you know, that would be more comfortable for me 
my inclination is to go in the opposite direction and do the the uncomfortable thing. Um, Sounds like a full moon. Yeah, <laughs> full moon in Aquarius in the eighth house. Yeah, you get a lot yeah. of like constant uh, re- ref- reflecting and yeah. Yeah, but I do find um, you know like in my client sessions that although I myself am like oh comfort like that's that makes. <laughs> That'll just atrophy the muscles. That doesn't sound like a resistance workout to me. Um, I'm always thinking about, okay, what's going on? How, is, how are you actually feeling and understanding this? Um, I was a personal trainer in the past, so there's always some kind of like, here's your workout homework that I give people. And that workout homework is almost always designed to help people become more acclimated and more comfortable with that moon stuff. Even though for me, I'm like, here's some food. That's comfortable, right? Cool. Let's... Let's get up here in our brains. <laughs> yeah, I I can relate to that a lot. Having also like a peregrine moon, meaning it's in a sign that it doesn't have any dignity in. It's also, also not lacking dignity. Mm. It's just hanging out. And <laughs> I have an Aries moon. Um, but what Ace, what you said really resonated with me. I, my moon is square the nodes. Um, and opposite my Venus, and I also have like a partile exact square with Neptune um, from my moon. But in terms of the ex- experience, experiencing my moon as in relation to race and whiteness, especially, um, I like I was always raised. Excuse me. Um, more, more of I guess I guess like in a defensive way. Um, and yeah, it always, it was very Aries in that way. Like (laughs) the way that, um, there was a lot of anger, like a lot of anger. My dad, um, my dad was born in 1940. So he was in his early twenties during the civil rights, the last civil rights movement, I guess, um, in the sixties. And, you know, there's, he's Scorpio, lots of resentment that still, that he still holds within him. Um, and he also has his Mars is his Mars is on the North node too. So extra Mars (laughs) energy, um, in my family. And yeah, I, I really feel that like that Aries sense of needing to like assert myself as an individual for sure. But, um, also kind of having this like I'm all alone sort of thing like it's like I have to do it all for myself sort of um just like defensive warrior energy when it when it comes to and that's just I think an intro, like a, something that's really important to talk about with the moon is that it's very instinctual so it's not stuff that you're necessarily um like consciously aware that you're doing all the time unless maybe you're like an astrologer and you're super aware of everything that you're doing but like but yeah, the moon is very instinctual. So, and it's like patterning that was, you know, that you were nurtured with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, it's not necessarily like I'm, you know, thinking I have to be defensive towards all white people all the time, but it's, that's a, that's an instinctual reaction based off of the way that I was raised is that, you know, basically like always, always being hypersensitive of the fact that I'm black and, um, in, in those contexts. And, and I think the peregrineness of it actually bear when you're on the astrology podcast and you said this about your peregrine moon, I was like, like mind blown. 
um, because you did, you related it to like kind of being just like being in a place that's not familiar and not necessarily it being like really difficult or like really, you know, chill, but Mm -hmm. just kind of having to, to figure it out without having much, um, much to rely on. Mm -hmm. And well, but how did you put it? Because, I mean, I definitely didn't put it as well as you did. Ooh. So whenever I, like, <laughs> I don't speak, want to put you I kind of go into a weird fugue state. I have no yeah, idea what I, I said. I think I, can understand I was that. probably thinking about what Ace wrote about um, the dignity of the planets, not as like, oh, you're on a holiday traveling. Right. Like, that's some capitalist bullshit. Like, no, you're, like, not a citizen wherever you are. Right. Um, <clears throat> but I think I, think I was saying something to the effect of maybe like making the analogy of language um or at least right now i'm about to use the analogy of language and like being taught language by immersion versus having a handy little guidebook like when you're in like having a peregrine planet is like being dropped into like a a deaf asl class with a deaf instructor boom immersion is the only option there will Mm. be no moment where this deaf teacher suddenly hears you and uses their mouth to tell you this is how you sign this you just right. have to figure out, like, here are the signs. And I see that you're making eye contact. Cool, I've got your attention. Like, what? What? Mm-hmm. How? Like, how do I sign this? And you just, <laughs> you guesstimate and you, you yeah. shrug. You, like, you know, you have to just gesture and point and you figure your way around. Or, you know, I, I was really fortunate to be able to travel to Thailand um, <clears throat> back from my honeymoon. And we spent most of the time in pretty touristy places. But we did spend... I don't know, four or five days and a part of Bangkok Bangkok that was not touristy at all. And so it really was just like, cool, what do I know about these social customs? Well, eye contact and like a polite head nod usually goes over pretty well. Like you you learn to not make assumptions about what you might be conveying or what the other person is conveying. And you kind of just wade through the things that are super common. Like everyone has to pee, everyone needs to eat, everyone needs water and beyond that there's i don't know beyond that it's just this feeling of like there is no safe ground on which to make an assumption Mm -hmm. um but i think like you said kira it's not being peregrine isn't like just being like just narrow narrowly being able to avoid debility it's having neither dignity nor debility so you're just kind of like left to your own devices you kind of figure it out you know i think a lot of gen xers and elder millennials will definitely relate to like you're old enough and you're mature enough for your age that you can be trusted home alone so you're like cool here's the key walk yourself home after school make sure you do your homework make sure you feed yourself a snack and maybe you weren't shown how to do any of that and you weren't given like you know aquarius moon so of course i'm like you just here you go you're smart you can figure it out and then you do you just figure it out yeah yeah that's i love that like latchkey kid sort of analogy um, cause I definitely can relate to that. I, I'm in a, a lunar perfection this year, meaning like the moon is, that is activated for me for my 28th year. And I've been obviously thinking about it a lot. And the idea of comfort has been a huge, huge, huge part of it for me. Um, yeah, I just like, I'm spending a lot of money right now to, <laughs> to live in a place that makes me and by the way my moon's in the second house so obviously i'm spending a lot of money on housing um but to live in a place where my body just feels more comfortable um 
and that's been a huge thing for me this year is like just figuring out how to make my body feel good because like if I can't keep my body feeling okay then it's gonna be really hard to make my mind work um, and really hard to do all the other things that I want to do in the world and so I'm really looking at this lunar perfection is like super important for establishing that um and it happens to coincide with my saturn returns there was all this reparenting stuff happening on so many levels um but yeah i just i really like that we've kind of talked about the comfort part of it because it's yeah like learning how to be comfortable learning how to nurture yourself and like literally how to feed yourself is such a big thing Diana Rose Harper on Twitter just had a tweet the other day being like, is <laughs> like, is the idea of eating, like having to eat every day, like, like really annoying for you? Or is your moon just like dignified or something like that? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm butchering it, but <laughs> yeah. Do you like, do like, you yes. resent having to nourish and feed your body every day? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah i wish this robot machine would just like be a little bit more more sturdy yeah how how close is your moon to the south node ace uh it's like 10 degrees away okay is it applying or separating Uh, it is separating okay cool um is there is does your sun square it my sun yeah it squares it um yeah it's like at a applying square okay cool Mm -hmm. yeah I was just curious. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's talk more about let's talk about more about Moon and Cancer because I want to kind of break down what it's like to have you know a, a dignified Moon versus a not dignified Moon or, or a debilitated Moon. So mm-hmm. Moon and Cancer, like to me, that's that's a very moist, happy moon. <laughs> um, not to say that, you know, your moon's happy all the time, but in the, in the sense of like the moon, you know, a planet in its own sign has the resources that it, that it prefers to have. There's a level of comfort with that planet. Um, and yeah, it, there's, there's also the idea of like rest that that planet doesn't have to like work super hard all the time because it has it has its resources um and yeah in a sense and so a cancer moon i think of i think of just like uh, yeah honestly i think of comfort i think of like being able to be in a place that like a, a comfortable home where you're not too hot not too cold and the temperature is just right and you have the right foods there um but of course, I'm curious to hear what Ace has to say about this, since they also since they actually have a cancer moon. <laughs> um, I found that like dignified planets are usually like planets that just take up a lot of space in someone's life. Um, so like yeah, like if someone has like Jupiter and Sag, it's like oh that person has been like I don't know like there's like religious institutions that's taken up a lot of space in their life, or there's like um, maybe like like academia's taking up a big part of their life um like for me like my moon is dignified in cancer um and like family does take up a like large part of my life like just taking up a lot of space um Mm -hmm. and um yeah like becoming an adult i feel like has been learning that Mm -hmm. that makes sense do you live close to your family still i live like an hour and a half away 
Okay. So you see them fairly often. Yeah, I haven't seen them throughout the course of the pandemic, but I'm going to go back on Saturday. Oh, cool. Nice. What about you, Bear? What do you think about Cancer Moon? Uh, I got the image of a garden gnome in my head, but like mm. in a good way. Just thinking like, <laughs> ah, a happy little garden that has all the stuff that it needs. Like some good overhead sunlight, but not too much. And all the planets have like just the right amount of shade and the right like perfect little microbiome. <clears throat> um, but in a not plant analogy sort of way, I think of the moon in Cancer as like the ultimate changeability, but without like a chameleon-like lack of integrity. So I'm thinking like, um, like a, I'm thinking of my grandmother specifically, like the ability to just like, uh-huh, I make this perfect space for you and whatever's going on in this space, as long as it's not a gross violation of our boundaries here, we just, whatever needs to happen is what happens. And, you know, I'm thinking like <clears throat> my brother, I have a younger brother and we are just like the total opposites. His chart is all earth. My chart's almost all fire. I think we can imagine how well that went down. Um, <laughs> you know, but like a grandparent, you know, thinking of my grandparents specifically, they were so able to make one space that worked for both of us. And they were able to meet us both in the exact way that we needed to without it being like, oh, you know, if whatever grandpa says to me isn't true and whatever grandpa says to you is what they really think. Like, none of that. Just the ability to be super present um or like just came to my mind is something uh i think it was maybe Thich Nhat Han, some modern day well-known buddhist writer writing about you know what is compassion compassion isn't just being nice to people 24 7 you know what does a mother do when a kid has a splinter mom busts out the needle and is like we're getting the splinter out we're not going to let you sit like that splinter isn't going to fester you're not getting an infection the most compassionate thing that mom could do in that moment is like, I'm going to draw some blood. We're going to work this out. So thinking about the moon and cancer is just that ability to be present enough to respond in whatever way that specific moment needs, but always from a core um, core of integrity, like a core of consistency in the mm -hmm. same way that like any, if you look at the moon every other day, the moon is going to look different every single time, but it's always the moon that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I so much of what you said is like pinging things in my brain I'm trying to <laughs> trying to organize my thoughts um I guess one thing one thing that's coming to mind is the ability to like well, yeah, we'll, we'll start with like when I when I talk about cancer, I, I often talk about just the ability to, to take care, to caretake and how, you know, people like I guess the modern slash stereotypical like lunar thing is like, oh, like a mother, like, you know, someone, the mother archetype. Mm -hmm. um, but it can it, it doesn't have to be just a mother. And it's really about like caretaking and when oftentimes when I'm almost always when I'm talking to a Libra rising or, and they have their midheaven or their 10th house in cancer, um, I'm talking to them about like being known as someone that can manage a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And so what you were talking about in terms of like creating a space, um, your grandparents for that can like foster both, both you and your brother. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and how cancers are really good at that. And I think someone with a cancer moon would be really good at that in the sense of just like understanding what various needs are and being able to to meet those needs at the to the best of their ability but also like really caring about being able to meet those needs and like not just being able to but like having a lot of intention there mm-hmm. um and then the other thing that kind of comes to mind which we have funnily enough have not spoken about is just like emotions <laughs> um right. and how like when i think of the moon and cancer i think of this like elixir like this just something that like you can drink that will just almost like the most nutrient like breast milk i guess we could just say that right <laughs> the most classic like, signification classic signification but yeah just the moon's association with um with you know water and wetness and how that correlates to um our emotional selves and our sensitivity and it's not like emotional is more than just crying and it's also more than just like being really angry mm-hmm. um it's it's more about like i think there's this reflectivity and like receptivity when it comes to the moon and cancer and lunar types in general that they just they can be really easily moved mm-hmm. um whether that's like being really excited for someone or just like they're very emotive and they're very high highly feeling people would you agree with that ace (laughs) i feel like i'm um definitely a little bit sensitive (laughs) a little bit (laughs) i just keep thinking about demetrius our our friend demetrius who also has a cancer moon um and how they he was just like like at QAC, he was able to just like express himself in a way that felt so it wasn't like you know like if he cried it wasn't like oh no he's crying like that sort of thing it was it was still very composed but it was just this very like just honest expression and how beautiful that is and i love that about cancer moons or even just cancers in general their ability to just like kind of be unapologetic about like their feeling nature. Yeah. Yeah. One of, I just, as we were talking, I was like, oh, duh, one of my best friends, Cancer Moon. Um, and one of the things that I notice about her is that, like, her somatic body, so that's one of the ways that I'll often describe the moon to clients is it's the somatic body. So it's literally how we're feeling our emotions, how we are physically experiencing and integrating, um, integrating the events around us. <clears throat> and one of the things that I notice for her is that, her emotions just are in her body in the same way that, you know, if you do something shocking and spooky, people are going to be startled physically. That's the same level that all of her emotions are present in her body. Whereas like Aquarius moon over here, it takes a lot for me to actually, for something that I'm thinking about, like even the notion of emotions is a little bit weird for me to, to totally comprehend. But thinking about this friend of mine, I'm like, Ah, yes, that's an emotion. An emotion is when experiences happen around you and then your body and your self respond in unison to that thing. Um, But it's it's almost like defies concepts because it's kind of like breathing. It just is this thing that we're always doing. And I feel like that's often what I see with with Cancer Moon folks, or at least what I'm thinking about right now, is that what is happening in their emotional body 
is their emotional experience. It's not like, oh, your defenses are up, and then you had this weird way where you turned your sadness into anger, and then emoted some totally other thing. It's just like, <laughs> boom, there's a thing. That's what Very it clear. is. Yeah. The imagery that comes to mind with that is like a pond or any sort of water, and you know, you're looking at the surface of water. It, something drop something in or even just another drop of water you're going to see the ripple effects of it Mm -hmm. and how like watery people um are like they're very sensitive in that way like you're going to see and feel um those emotions or just like any change like that is going to be their sensitivity is just like so high um i'm saying they like as if i'm not a super (laughs) watery person myself um what about Taurus moon? Let's talk about Taurus moons, mm-hmm. um, which is the moon exalted. And um, exaltation, I mean, we can talk about that if you guys want, just like the difference between domicile and exaltation. Um, but it's, yeah, it's the moon in Venus's sign and Taurus being like a, an earth sign um, kind of gives the moon stable stable ground you could say to do all the lunar things that it wants to do like grow things and nourish things like Taurus kind of gives the moon the ideal temperature the ideal weather in order to be able to do that um yeah thoughts on Taurus moons um I find that like uh exalted planets are more visible than dignified planets and um that sometimes like um i guess like um they're not comfortable all the time um like with exalted um or like exalted moon um a lot of times um i guess like i've seen taurus moons um where like maybe their family has like big expectations of them in some way or like they have big expectations of themselves um and yeah i've seen similarly like for what you're saying Taurus moons often um I'll ask about their mom which you know the moon's not always about the mom but I'll ask and oftentimes they're like yeah my mom's really like complicated relationship because they're very controlling um and there is that's that's something I see a lot actually with the exalted moon it's like the family does have a lot of uh, influence especially oftentimes the primary caretaker, mm-hmm. which is oftentimes the mom in our society. But yeah, just like the, the Taurus notion of control, um, which can be great if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to grow a garden, you want to have some elements of control. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, then there, that can become, that can become too much. Um, it's funny. I see that more with Taurus moons and Scorpio moons. Like I, I find people who, with Scorpio moons, they have like a very, it is obviously not universal, but um, in my client practice, like, well, we'll talk about Scorpio moons too, but mm-hmm. even like a deeper connection with the mom, um, it's oftentimes a lot more like emotional, I think, um, like this emotional bond. But yeah, it's that's something that kind of threw me off when I first started doing client readings is like how many people with Taurus moons actually had more difficult relationships with their with their families or their mothers Mm -hmm. i guess like yeah i guess like thinking about money too because i feel like both the sun and moon like has to do with capital and um Mm -hmm. like yeah like um i feel like oh sorry that was my messenger 
wrong. That's okay. <laughs> like, I feel like, um, like, I feel like Exalted Moon, like, has maybe more expectations, um, just like an Exalted Moon Sun. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. You have an Exalted Sun. I just realized that in my brain. <laughs> wow, I'm talking to two dignified sons today. Cool. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say, Bear? Um, I am very close to a Taurus moon person. Um, so I definitely am hearing and seeing and confirming a lot of what you're both saying. Um, I've been thinking about the exaltation of a planet as, you know, so X plant, you know, this planet is exalted in X sign and X sign has something to do, or I think says something about the best possible manifestation of using that planet. So, you know, like Jupiter is exalted in, in cancer. What's the best possible use of Jupiter? expanding our nurturing to include a whole community we bring people together as opposed to like nationalism and other less savory cancer um Mm. signification so thinking about the moon in taurus like well what is the highest possible like use of moon energy i think it is creating this garden where we've got food um a relationship to the land that gives us a sense of of either and potentially both ideally both a sense of sovereignty and a sense of autonomy um, or a sense of freedom, I guess would be a better word to use. Um, so I'm thinking about like, <clears throat> you know, like my indigenous ancestors were nomadic people. That relationship to the land is the basis of sovereignty, but that relationship to the land isn't. And here we have this settlement. And if you leave this place, then you don't have food and you don't have community. Um, so I think we have to sort of step away from a very Western industrialized hell i mean very civilized way of thinking about how people are maybe to see this but i think that best use of the moon is really nurturing our relationship to the land and from there i think you see a lot of really obvious food things gardening things um the cancer moon person that i've I've known for most of my life at this point um they are not a foodie they're they they obviously eat food but (laughs) cooking food is not the thing that i've like oh, this friend, yeah, let's go have dinner and have them cook dinner. Definitely not. Um, the Taurus moon that I know is like, you're actually better. I'm like, hey, can I help you in the kitchen? Okay, I didn't think so. I was just saying that so that I could be polite because I know that the <laughs> most helpful thing I could do is actually to just leave the kitchen and let you do your thing because you actually are deriving benefit. Like, it's a generative process, I guess is the way you could think of it. Like, the moon in Taurus moon things and Taurus things tend to be generative for that native. Whereas I feel like the moon in cancer, um, it can be very generative, but if you're just like, I'm having emotions and nothing can stop me from having those emotions, then it can be, it can potentially be wallowy or, um, Mm. less awesome. Just like any planet in its own domicile to kind of speak to that, the difference between a planet in the sign that it rules versus a planet in the sign in which it's exalted. I think a planet in the sign that it rules is just like, that's right, I'm the sun and I'm going to shine. And the sun could shine in a way that's like really destructive and withers all your crops. Or the sun could shine in a way that's like, yes, my pepper plants are happy and the basil's growing like bananas. Um, so a planet in its own domicile is like kind of untouchable. It It's already where it is in charge, so it doesn't need... If you're in charge, you don't need like a minion to say, oh, yes, person in charge. I think that's a great idea. Go do it. You're just like, I am the boss. I've decided. And now I do. Um, But a planet in its exaltation, I think, 
it's necessarily in communication, but it's in communication in a way that almost, maybe I shouldn't say almost always works out well, but in a way that is natural to all concerned parties, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I second yeah. that food thing, because I'm a Cancer mm-hmm. Moon who lived with a Taurus Moon for some time, and mm-hmm. definitely, like, when they went on vacation, they were, like, Googling, like, what food to eat. And I was like, oh my god, like, why would you do that? Like, I just go and find the fastest thing to eat, like, when I'm hungry. <laughs> and same with that poem, too. I'm like, I'll eat my, like, Campbell's microwave soup. And then they'll be like, I don't know, like, cooking some, like, elaborate thing. Yeah, that's, that I've definitely seen, too. Um, yeah, I know a Taurus Moon who literally is a cookbook writer. Um and it, Taurus moon rules their ascendant. Um, and I think they also have like series on the ascendant too, that kind of just underscores that. But, but yeah, the Taurus moon being, I love what you said bear about having, um, like the best expression of that would be having a connection with the land. Um, let's see what else. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's something else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I guess just seconding what you were talking about with, like, um, the, a planet and an, an exaltation versus domicile. Um, domicile being, like, that planet is are, already has what it needs, and it can also kind of... It's not that it can... Well, yeah, it's it's in its own home, you could say. Whereas the planet and its exaltation is is an honored guest in someone else's home. So there is still Mm -hmm. this like need to kind of, um, you can't kind of totally slack off. Um, I guess it depends, but it's almost like having ideal conditions for the moon. Um, and that Venus is like providing that for the moon. So I guess like, you know, Venus is, Venus is a dignity would be important there too, but in general, by the way, we're recording this under a Taurus moon too, and I just had a really big plate of food before <laughs> before this um, to kind of honor that. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about let's talk about a Scorpio moon because that would be the moon in its sign of fall or depression, um, and which is opposite its exaltation in Taurus, and so. Um, I the first thing that comes to mind when I think of a planet in its fall is just that it's literally in a lower position and therefore has to might feel like it needs to kind of go to extremes in order to be noticed or recognized um, or to try to find some sense of comfort um, and a, a, like the moon in Scorpio it's difficult for the moon the moon itself to be in Scorpio because the moon wants to grow things, it wants to nurture things, and it wants to, and also, like, the moon has this sort of um, flightiness to it, in the sense that it's constantly changing, it's moving signs, moving through signs every two and a half days, Um, but the nature of Scorpio, which is Mars's sign, um, it kind of, like, I kind of, to me, I, I picture, like, the moon kind of getting stuck inside of, like, a swamp, and, like, sinking, (laughs) um, because it's, the moon doesn't want to get all messy and dirty in Scorpio. And I'm not saying that Scorpios are messy and dirty. As you might know, I am a Scorpio. But um, more in the sense that, like, there's 
I think of Scorpio as the swamp because you know you don't know it's all about going deep and um there's also this idea of like mixed like everyone's shit kind of like being all in there at once <laughs> and so um like you don't really know where where one thing ends and another thing begins when you're in this like very soupy dark sticky mess of like a swamp or even like you can even look at it as like the a well like to think of like dark deep water with scorpio um and the moon that doesn't necessarily want to get caught up in all that like these intense emotions and <laughs> the moon would rather be able to like feel the thing and then move on um and scorpio it's that's that's not the case the moon has to like really move through these emotions and um take takes a lot more time to process i think um yeah what are you guys' thoughts on scorpio moons so my mom's a Scorpio moon at the exact degree of the moon's fall, three degrees. Um, and, um, like, yeah, I feel like, like, Taurus moon has maybe, like, high expectations of other people, but Scorpio moon definitely has very low expectations of other people, including family members. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, I feel like my mom definitely has low expectations of, um, like, even me and my dad. And do not mm -hmm. expect us to, um, be there for her and it definitely mm -hmm. it comes out it shows up in our relationships um and you know not to like reveal all her dirty laundry or anything um but definitely like when she was growing up as a kid you know like she had two siblings like you know she was the kid that they chose to like she was going to be like sent to the countryside as part of the cultural revolution so she was always like oh i was like the least favorite kid or whatever um <laughs> so yeah, that's how I experienced Scorpio Moon. It's just like having low expectations of other people. Um, and sometimes, you know, like people will surprise Scorpio Moons. Like people are not that bad. Like you can trust mm. them. But um, mm -hmm. I feel like definitely like Taurus Moon is like, oh, I expect you to be there for me. Scorpio Moon is like, oh, no. Like even if you showed up for me a hundred times, I do not expect you to be there ever again. Um, wow. <laughs> My sister has a Scorpio moon and I'm just like, wow, yes, this is so real. Like, and I also just traveled across the country with um, one of my best friends who also has a Scorpio moon. Um, and yeah, they, there is this like very low expectation of like people, the populace even, and like family or yeah, just like what, because I think there's, what there is an expectation of is um, being let down, being betrayed. I think betrayal is this really big thing with Scorpio, um, Scorpio placements where, you know, there's just like this expectation of loss, um, and of having to deal with really difficult emotions. So I think it might be easier for a Scorpio moon to just expect, expect to be hurt. And um, that's kind of like the instinct, the, the primary like instinctual reaction to to other people yeah i definitely feel like um like scorpio moon like because they ex like sometimes expect that betrayal like my sometimes even like choose situations where um it's yeah situations are not mm -hmm. any thoughts bear i have a friend who has a scorpio moon um 
Yes, I do have thoughts about that. So <laughs> listening to you all talk, I was thinking about the moon, um, the moon signification related to memory. Um, so, you know, a couple different things that come up just, just thinking about the memory part alone. Um, our early childhood experience is really primary, and I guess we could even go back to like our in utero experience, but our early childhood experience sets us up with a set of expectations that are memory-based but inaccessible memory. Um, and because those memories aren't accessible to us consciously but are a, like a very solid part of our somatic body, I was just thinking about like, oh, right, duh, the moon memory Scorpio fixed water so like memory emotional memories that we cannot shake but we also can't access intellectually or in a way where we have a lot of of um I don't want to say it because we do have like volition and agency but not in the same way we don't get to choose what early childhood memories we have we can only choose how we respond to them um so thinking about like oh yeah like these expectations and like expectations around people that have like this trauma tinge to them, like these deep, deep physical memories that we cannot help but to remember, but remembering them can hurt in some way. Um, but it is still like very vital to, to ourselves to be able to have those memories. Um, so yeah, I mean, the moons, the moons fall, like what's the worst possible way that the moon could show up? as far as the native is concerned, uh, obsessive memories, very painful memories. Um, even thinking about something that my, my partner was telling me, you know, after 9-11, babies who were, babies who were in utero when 9-11 happened, many of them had very elevated cortisol levels. Like their, their, their set point, so to speak. I'm clearly not a medical scientist of any kind. Um, their baseline cortisol levels were extremely elevated. What, is, what happens when you have elevated baseline cortisol levels or really any of your like really key um, neurotransmitters? When those level, when that baseline is elevated, it means you need more just to feel normal. Mm -hmm. So if you have elevated baseline cortisol levels, it means that you constantly feel under threat, under stress. And it actually takes something that's really dramatic to feel like stuff is happening around you. Because your baseline is like, hella stressed out, terrified, is normal. So unless something that is that is horrifically um, activating happens, it just feels like, oh, a little blip, I guess. Oh, oh did I wake up in the morning? I guess so. Mm -hmm. um, so just thinking about like that, you know, whether we're talking about epigenetics or intergenerational trauma or just the like those first five, that place where somatic memories really do have the ability to affect us super deeply. So what does that mean for a native? I'm thinking about my friend here who like is not just like a walking billboard for trauma and I can't get out of my memories, not, not in the least. But um, that friend of mine is somebody who is able to go super, super deep into their intuitive self. So like, you know, some people pull out tarot cards and they're like, okay, let's look at the card. Let's analyze the story. What do we see in this card? And other people are like, hmm, here's this card. It feels this way. Let's go deeper into that feeling. Where does that feeling come from? Yeah, we see this person and there's stuff happening. But what is that person feeling in this moment? And then what does that have to tell us about something? That's like the best way I can think to say it. But 
you know, Scorpio's dark and murky, murky, you know, we know there's something deep down in the water, but we can't see it. Yeah, I love that. I love that you brought up um, that thing about somatic memory. And that reminds me of, uh, I basically learned about that through the book, um, The Body Keeps the Score. Mm. And how that's basically how people with like severe PTSD, um, in who have experienced severe trauma, like their cortisol, cortisol, thank you, (laughs) Mercury and Sag thing, um, cortisol levels are so raised up that like they continuously seek out experiences that will make them feel something. So like someone that was in a really like terrible war zone, um, and comes home to like a very average non-threatening life. Um, might pick up something like drag racing or like, you know, something that can really get there or, or, you know, or have a lot of retired veterans might become a police officer um, and how they're constantly looking to be engaging in that, those high stress situations um, in order to like, yeah, feel alive really. So... (laughs) Scorpio moons. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a really good... Um, another thing, I guess, that we haven't really touched on, which maybe we could talk about a little bit once we talk about moon and Capricorn, but just like the moon's connection to the body and how traditionally that was one of the main significators of the body and of mm-hmm. the, like the, yeah, I guess the... Not necessarily the vitality, but the, uh, what's the word? I'm looking for the word. I think it's, it's not composition. It's not, it's like a C word. The, like what makes, no, it's like what makes, uh, whatever. It's like a word that I've been trying to, (laughs) this has been like weeks of me trying to figure out what this word is. Um, but basically like your, your basic, uh, constitution constitution yes thank you thank you uh yes i love i love when yes i love when that happens um yeah your constitution um and yeah the moon's connection to the body is a very very real one and how like if you if you're a moon place if you have a difficult moon placement it could represent um sort of like a dissociation with the body or a disconnect of the body especially if that placement kind of correlates to experiencing pain within the body. Mm-hmm. Um, the moon will kind of show the sign and the aspects and all that will kind of show how you go about your, your relationship to your body. Um, yeah. And so with that being said, maybe we can talk a little bit about Capricorn moon, um, which is the moon in the sign of its detriment or, um, or exile or depression. No, depression is fall. Ex- exile, detriment. Is there another word for detriment? Uh, adversity or antithesis. Adversity. Okay, yes, thank you. Um, any thoughts about Capricorn moons? I can kind of start out with three of my best friends growing up um, all had Capricorn moons. Um, and, uh, there is this sort of, well, I guess when we're talking about like a planet in detriment, um, it's, I like to think of it as being uncomfortable, being in a place that's not, um, necessarily, 
you don't have the resources that you would have in the domicile. And so therefore you're kind of forced to kind of get creative with it and, and kind of figure out how to create those, um, those needs or, or meet those needs in, in a situation that doesn't, um, that doesn't give you what you that you but doesn't give you what you need to get there. You kind of have to figure out how to do it for yourself. And um, I've seen with the the moon and Capricorn, all three of these these girls that I grew up with that I was really close with, um, still really close with, two, like two of them. Um, but they're like they all came from like well-to-do families. You know, the families were fine. But um, there is this like lack of the type of nurture that they needed, maybe. And there's this hardness to them that it not to say that they're hard people or they don't have like they don't have any softness to them. But there is this like these like they put these expectations on themselves, which I think definitely come from the family of needing to kind of like make their way in the world in a very specific way. All three of these girls went to Ivy League schools. Um, all three of these girls worked their fucking asses off. Um, they, I would I would describe them as boss ass bitches, um, like that type. Like they're just people that you that I've always looked up to, and I'm like, wow, like how did you all get straight A's and get into all these amazing schools and somehow like had boyfriends and like were in Ivy like not Ivy. Um, like, you know, varsity sports and, and all the AP classes, like just this, this desire to achieve and, you know, be, be something, make something of themselves. Um, but the, the, the self nurturing, the like taking care of the self and the body wasn't as much of a priority. Um, and that I think is something I see with Capricorn moons where they're just like, yeah, it's not so much about like the the focus isn't so much on the self in terms of like taking care of the vessel. Um, it tends to be like that care and nurturing tends to be kind of like put onto achievements. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, so <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, well, um, I guess before like we were talking about the moon as a type of labor like re reproductive labor and i feel like that's definitely connected to the moon being the body uh, it's like what produces bodies and um it's like it's a pretty big part of uh the i mean of, of the world but it's not something that's like calculated to support the gdp or even um like seen at all um so it's like a type of labor that's just like kind of unaccounted for so i guess like mm. that's what i think of when i think of um the moon a lot and um yeah i feel like in capricorn like if like moon and cancer is a moon that like takes up a lot of space i feel like moon and capricorn um is like smaller um it's where mm -hmm. like maybe um a lot of like this labor that's unpaid for is minimized um so like yeah i'm hearing you would um, with what you're saying about like um, you know just like the self-care stuff um, being made smaller um, and um, yeah I feel like both dignified and adverse um, moons like can be hard because 
it can be hard when like just that unpaid labor takes up like a lot of space in someone's life and it can also be hard when that um like nurture uh labor care care work um takes up no space or very little space um but definitely with capricorn moons um yeah i feel like i feel like yeah there's definitely like a making smaller of like maybe like care um whether that's like oh like my family is like just not really that present in my life or whether that's like um yeah i'm like um yeah i'm looking to i guess like work in ways that are um like uh like paid for and not and maybe discounting the care of my physical body or something mm-hmm. yeah i love what you said about that um because i'm thinking of the fact that with with i went to like an all-girls school growing up and this is something i had i talked to the girls that i grew up with like especially these two of these especially that have the Capricorn moon um just the fact that like we were taught we, we were like very much taught how to be successful women in the world and um I think a lot of that was like there with that came the kind of um minimalization of like like care in in terms of like taking care of our like what it means to take care of ourselves um and just I think the nurturing more honestly like more feminine aspects of um of just like being a person were definitely minimized um and I always say like we were taught how to be these like boss ass girls but we weren't necessarily taught how to be soft and how to like that it's okay to cry and <laughs> that like it's okay to have the feelings that we have and that like it's okay to want certain things um that don't necessarily have to do with like becoming like reaching a certain status or um entering a certain level or class and yeah i think that there with with like almost like bringing us up to be these successful classy women um there there was with that came like you know the support of wanting you know more women in positions of power and um all of that we weren't it was it's kind of like that thing where it's like you can't you can't be both you can't have both um and that's kind of what I'm thinking like what's coming to mind for me with the Capricorn moon it's like hard to find just like what you were saying that that it's takes up less space like the idea of care and nurturing and um you know the the act of feeding oneself what one needs what the body needs um is minimalized yeah that makes a ton of sense um if we're thinking about you know the the matter mother connection then we can think about the moon in cancer as like literally being materialized out of your mother um if we go on the opposite end i'm like okay what does capricorn want capricorn wants consistency keep thinking of the word legacy which maybe is more of like a fourth house word than a capricorn word but i'm thinking here of like capricorn wants things that endure well what definitely doesn't endure our emotions and our bodies like if we if we're the person who like 
Like, ooh, you know, I'm Alfred Nobel. I just invented dynamite. Like, Nobel is definitely dead, but the Nobel Peace Prize and dynamite aren't. Hmm. Um, so it would make sense that with the moon, with the moon in Capricorn, there would be this this move to like, how do I feed myself? Right, that's the question. Like, once boom, you're born, you're a baby, you need to be fed. And you're like, how do I feed myself, mom? Feed me, right? That's babies are screaming and crying. Over in Capricorn, we're like, how do I feed myself? Well, how do I feed myself? How do I feed my eternal soul? Not with ephemeral stuff that's going to disappear once my body turns into dust again. So maybe it's like, I got that Ivy League degree and nobody yeah. can take that from me. And even like thinking about like, I was going to say like the, the simpler side of, of, of like the desire for dynasty um, or dynastics. is like, it's not about so much like, well, I have this thing and I'll have it forever. Obviously I won't have it forever because I'm not forever. But if I get this thing, then I can pass that down to my kids and like that can't in theory can't be taken away from them. Um, so yeah, I mean just like hearing you talk here about your friends, like, Oh, that makes a ton of sense. Moon and Capricorn. You're like, okay, yeah, my body, the way I adorn myself, the clothes I wear, whatever, but my accomplishments, my achievements, like that achievement, once it's been achieved, it has always been achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, or like thinking about, I have no idea what Alex Honnold's chart is. But I was just thinking about him, you know, climbing Mount uh, or El Cap, you know, he's climbed El Cap. Even if somebody else free climbs something taller, Alex Honnold will always still be the first person who did that. So it makes sense to have that like drive to externalize. Um, the interior life is not one that we can ever share 100% accurately with anybody else. But our external lives are ones that, you know, particularly if we can accomplished the great accomplishment and then that's one that becomes very clear and it attains a type of permanence like thinking about like um like old norse sagas and like you know yeah whatever if you die you die but then your name lives on forever like nobody will ever forget this battle that feels very moon and capricorn yeah i love that oh not to um, interrupt yeah. but i just realized i'm wearing my sailor moon shirt um, oh, yeah, it says nice. um, not even on purpose. Yeah, not on purpose. <laughs> um, I just realized it. Sorry. That's awesome. Um, well, I think kind of like moving from talking about the moon in Scorpio and in Capricorn, um, in general, like, what do you think people? Do you guys have any suggestions for how to work with the moon? Um, yeah generally how to work with the moon and then also um especially if it's you know in a more difficult sign or aspect or house in the chart um for me like working you know being in this lunar perfection and and trying to work with the moon more i think probably all three of us would say like observe the moon (laughs) observe the moon phases literally observe the moon and um and see how you feel both, you know, I guess more about like noticing and just taking note and, and spending time with um, how you feel at the new moon, the first quarter, the full moon and the last quarter. And and then that especially that that balsamic phase um, between the last crescent and the new moon, um, just taking note of how you feel throughout the, throughout the cycle of the moon growing in light and then becoming full and then and then um, losing its light and then also like paying attention to how each moon sign feel like when the moon is in Taurus how does that feel and what part of your chart is that lighting up 
versus how does it feel when the moon's in Sag and what part of that what part of your chart is lighting that up sorry is that lighting up and what planets might be you know being aspected by the moon as it moves through the zodiac each month um that would be my first like basic recommendation um curious as to what you guys are thinking um i guess like my recommendation like i always look at the moon like with saturn um like the progressed lunar return happens right before your saturn return um and like they're uh, ruling like opposite signs um and i feel like like i guess like as a cancer moon person um i feel like um you know like there's really no point in processing the emotion if you're not going to process the systemic issues that cause the emotion um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like I'm a moon in Cancer, I get like very like dragged into my feelings for sure. Uh, but um, there's like a politics to the history of pain, and um, some bodies are allowed to be seen as more sensitive than other bodies. Um, and um, yeah, just looking at Saturn, like looking at the um, uh, systemic things, and then you can process the emotion. I love that. That's such a, yeah, I love that framing of like looking at the moon and then looking at Saturn and that, that dynamic between the two. Um, Bear, I know you have a lot of moon, moon things to do, moony things. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, like you said, I think the the first place to start is literally observe the moon. Um, Though like, so like I said, I was a personal trainer and there, when you move from, uh, you know, you want to do some super crazy complex exercise or move, then you you want to go back to the simplest version of that movement and then do what's called progressive overload. Um, <clears throat> so you just make it a little bit harder, right? You add weight, you add reps, you add sets, and then one day you're like, ooh, I'm a strongman. Um, thinking strongman event, not just men, peoples. Mm-hmm. Um, so first place to start, notice the new moon. It's pretty easy because if you have, even in the Bay Area where there's a ton of light pollution, you can tell when there's no moon in the sky. So just notice when the sky is extra super dark. Ooh, spooky night. Is there a moon? Probably not. Okay, cool. This is what a new moon feels like. And just notice that, right? So the like disclaimer, what I'm about to tell you to do will take you like a decade to accomplish. But still, it's, if you want to learn the moon, um, this is how I'd recommend you do it. Start with the new moons. Boom, you've done a year of new moons. You know what a new moon feels like. Next year, do the new moon full moon. Don't care what sign it's in. Don't care what aspects it's making, what house it's in in your chart. Just new moon, full moon. Um, the real obvious one here, and if you if you already feel this in your bones, you can like skip ahead. When there's no light at night, there's not much we can do. It's extra spooky. It's extra dangerous. It's extra, you can't see colors. When there's a full moon at night, anybody who's done like old school photography can tell you this a full moon is one third as bright as the sun at high noon we can see color at night when there's a full moon that's actually a really huge deal so for thinking full moon like the ability to actually fully see what's in our like underground dark shadowy territory whatever Jungian or other type of psychological word works for you the shadow realm is illuminated at a full moon and then you start working in like boom new moon full moon What's up with those quarter moons? Can you feel the difference between the waxing quarter and the waning quarter? Then go assign. How is how is the new moon in Taurus different than the new moon in Cancer? 
because those are different moons, right? So you just start like adding in one more layer, one more layer. You have the sign that the moon is in. Cool. What house was that in in your chart? Then you can get like way more complicated. Uh, Kira, you talked at the beginning about being in a lunar perfection with the moon as your time lord, right? So if you are really like, I'm doing all this astrology stuff, I know it, got a lot of techniques under your belt, then look at the perfection that you're in, especially if you're in a lunar perfection. Look at your monthly perfection. Um, so can you find where is that new moon each month? How does that relate to your monthly perfection and your and your <clears throat> annual perfection? You know, oh, okay, I'm in my cancer year and that new moon in Taurus was where in my chart related to my natal moon how. Um, you start building that vocabulary and then you're at the point where you're doing like crazy explosive push-ups with your feet on a medicine ball or something ridiculous <clears throat> um, in terms of how to work. So that's one way to like learn the moon, study the moon, see how it affects you. In terms of working with the moon, obviously I'm a big fan of a Monday practice. Um, so Monday, moon's day, just like talk to the moon, do comfy things. Um, one of the easiest ones I say is like eat a comfort food. Right. And that's a way where you can like get really deep with your moon practice and you can be talking to your body. You can be talking about your ancestors, your metrilineal line. You know, you're, you're giving your mitochondria something to process. Our mitochondrial DNA is like that just comes from mother's line. Um, so there are a couple different ways in terms of like working with the moon that are really easy. Eat a comfort food on a Monday. Super duper simple. Um, taking a bath instead of a shower if you have the means to do that. Um, on a new moon or a full moon, just like building in. So like one way to think about it is to like build your vocabulary with the moon. But one way that Ari Felix and I were, were talking about working with the planets um, at the Allied Media Conference a little while back, working with the planets is movement ancestors. So really thinking about like, what is the moon the ancestor of? Well, the moon is the ancestor of nourishment, of comfort, of food, of communication, well, what are all those types of things? Those are ways that we build relationship. Eating food is being in relationship with our plant animals and relatives, like our, the animal relatives. Um, so how are you building relationship with the land around you as a place that you're just in, right? How are you building relationship with the food that you're eating? How are you building relationship um, with those acts of communication with the world around you? It's kind of just stepping back and seeing... Um, you know, the process of picking a piece of fruit is, yeah, sure, that's just gathering and we're eating food, but we can think about that as being in relationship with that tree, in relationship with cycles, in relationship with time, in relationship with our body. So really, and I think that's a good moon word. We usually think Venus relationships, but we can think about the moon as being in this, right? Because the moon is inseparable from the sun. The moon isn't just like, yeah, the moon is a body in space that is its own. But the way in which we see the moon and interact with the moon is a relationship between us as observers here and the moon in relationship with the sky. So it's super relational. I love it. Um, yeah, I think for me, working with the moon um, during my lunar perfection has been very much about figuring out how to feed myself. <laughs> And um, basically, like, learning how to nourish myself and coming to the realization that I never knew how to and that I was never, ever properly nourished. And that's not, like, 
my parents didn't feed me, but <laughs> it's more of the fact that like I didn't, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've yet figured out the type of foods that are best for my body. And that's kind of been an ongoing process. Um, but also, yeah, I don't know. I've, there's a lot of things that come up with an Aries moon being, <laughs> being activated. And I realized like having an Aries moon is like having a very hyperactive child and like how do you take care of a child that wants to just do all the things and has a lot of energy to do all the things um and yeah really looking at it like that like I my Aries moon wants food quickly I don't want to have to spend a lot of time to make it um and like Figure, and also the fact that like Aries energy burns out very easily and very quickly um, because it puts all of its energy into one thing all at one time and then it burns out. Um, and so figuring out how to like nurture myself through burnout so they're not like these terrible like lows and that I can just kind of like more of like slight dips instead of these intense highs and lows. Um, so yeah, I think when you're when we're talking about working with the moon, it's it's about figuring out how to work with your body and work with the way that you nourish your body and a big part of that as well is comfort and like more than just food, like how a big thing for me, like I moved across the country because I was like I can't do when my body hates the cold and I can't do those winters anymore. Um and so things like that just really um, there's, there's a lot of trial and error for sure, but, um, and, you know, I've been on this journey trying to figure out my body for at least the past decade, um, and I'm not there yet, <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's a journey. Um, so yeah, I think when it comes to the, to the moon, so much of it is like, it's, it's body centered and it's matter like food and, and, um, nourishment centered as well. Um, do you guys have anything to add about the moon or anything else that you want to talk about in regards to anything that we've been talking about today? Um, I mean, the, like, I guess like one thing that I wanted to share was, um, like this uh, really great writer called Achilles Mbembe, and um, like he writes about the solar body and nocturnal body of empire, and I just feel like that's like like so like like sun and moon, um, mm. like that's what it is, um, and like he actually he talks about how like um, I guess um, like empire is about like um, taking. Um, taking in life matter like bodies and then distributing death um, and mm. yeah I feel like that definitely relates to um, like the body thing yeah wow thanks for sharing that Barry do you have anything I mean I, I think I said it before briefly and I just um, to those who are wanting to really learn the moon and their charts better I really recommend looking at the moon together with the nodes and also the sun, the nodes of the moon. Um, you know, the nodes, the the bendings, the squares to the nodes are where the moon is moving really quickly. Um, when the moon is together with those nodes, that's a place where we have, a, could have an eclipse or will get an eclipse. 
um, that's a necessary condition for an eclipse to happen is that the moon um, the moon is with the nodes <clears throat> so looking at the moon like i said not just as this one singular entity but the moon is being in relationship um, not just with the sun but also with the earth <clears throat> i think that's what gives the most fruitful lunar education is really looking at all of those so like yeah i've got i've got the moon in aquarius but to really understand that moon you have to look at the moon is a full moon opposite the sun and leo like what light is being cast on the moon that the moon is reflecting back and then looking at that relationship with the nodes you know is the moon square the nodes and evolutionary astrology we call it a skip step um and if the moon is square the nodes what does it mean to have a somatic body that's faster that's more sensitive or more volatile right um yeah i think the moon you get that full complete relationship that constellation of moon sun nodes um and then once you understand that piece like asa said you know the opposite side of that is or another side of that is saturn the moon and saturn are holding these two different ways of knowing and understanding time knowing time on the very moment to moment being in relationship with time and with presence um versus saturn this very like externalized history and um you know this this understanding of time that exists when we aren't there as well mm, yeah yeah and i guess my last thing to add to piggyback off of what you were saying is that the moon is literally a piece of the earth <laughs> that was blown off blasted off and set into orbit around around the earth and so um when we look at the moon we are looking at history and with that comes this um, association with memory, like Barry brought up earlier. Um, and yeah, how I just wanted to kind of relate that to what you were saying in terms of the moon always has to be looked at in relationship to the sun and the earth. Um, a cool thing would be to like, for people to look into if you haven't already is the moon phase that you were born under um, and yeah, there's a lot of literature and information out there around that, how that will definitely influence how your moon is, um, experienced, you know, how you experience your moon and also just kind of tells a lot about the type of person you are when you're looking at the relationship between the sun and the moon. Um, there's definitely like personality types, if you will based off of um, lunar phase. So that's another cool thing to look into. I think I think our time is coming to an end. I feel like I could talk about the moon for hours. I mean, we have been talking about it for quite some time. Um, but yeah, I want you guys to um, tell people where you, they can find you. Um, so Ace, yeah, tell us where people can find you, website, anything you have coming up. Yeah, um, you can find me at www.alicesparklycat.com. So that's sparkly with no E and cat with a K. Um, and that's also my handle on Instagram and Twitter. Um, anything I have coming up? I mean, yeah, not really. Oh, sorry. Um, the Fresh Voices submit. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> well, this will be this will be out okay, way past that. So. Um, I yeah, have a book coming no need to plug out in that. May, Postcolonial Astrology. Uh, it goes through the etymologies of each uh, planet type. Awesome. 
And people can buy your other books on your website, right? Yeah, they're all available on my website. Yes. Cool. Thank you. Bear. You can find me at psycheandsoulastrology.com. All those words are spelled like they would be spelled in the dictionary. Um, And you can find me mostly on Twitter. My Insta account is semi-abandoned at the moment. Um, You can find me on Twitter. My handle there is astralids, astral like the plane, underscore IDS. Um, Yeah, what I have going on right now, Fresh Voices, which is this weekend, but will be in the past by the time anybody's listening to this. Um, Fresh Voices... Yeah, a fan steering committee I know is going to be keeping me pretty busy. Um, NCGR San Francisco will as well. We've got, um, I guess, the next event is also this weekend, which will be in the past, so no sense in plugging that. <laughs> um, mostly right now I'm on Patreon. Be, I'm doing like once a month. Um, what I finally decided is a Get Your Moon On uh, is my like monthly webinar, so... This month is a get your Leo moon on, next month get your Virgo moon on, and so on and so forth. Um, just taking a deep dive into that specific lunation and looking at tips and tricks for um, for working with that lunation from beginning to end. The idea is, we just had the first one last month, um, is that it's more of a kind of open forum, casual space for patrons to come together and talk about how is this Leo lunation landing in your chart, what perfection are you in, you know, um, kind of collaborating and working together to see what's up and how we can skill share. And yeah, I guess it's the best way to say it, how we can skill share um, and provide each other feedback on how to how to get your mood on. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. So check out, I'll list all the links um, on the show notes, but check Bear out, check out his Patreon. Definitely check out Ace and their website and their Instagram account and their Twitter account, all the all the accounts. Um, and yeah, I'm yeah. I think that's I think that's about it. I'm like, do I have anything else to add? Um, I guess not much besides thank you guys so much for being a part of this and friends and fans, fans of both of you, but also uh, friends with both of you, which makes me feel very lucky um and yeah thank you thank you thank you thanks for tuning in i really hope you got a lot out of that conversation i sure i sure did i mean it's always a treat to be able to talk to bear and ace and yeah i'm i feel very lucky (laughs) that i was able to have both of them on and Yeah, they're both so great. And they both also spoke at um, the Fresh Voices in Astrology Summit that um, I was, I had the pleasure of organizing this year um, in on August 15th and 16th. And if you're interested in, um, you know, looking, checking out their talks from that, um, you can go to freshvoicesinastrology.com slash summit. And we have um, a couple of of um t- uh, of their lectures for sale and then there's also the package deal so check that out um yeah i i recorded the orphic hymn um to the moon for you so that's coming up in a second but before i play that um just wanted to remind you that um 
you know, if you like the show, if you get something out of it, there's a couple ways you can support um, the show and me and, you know, all that jazz. <laughs> um, and one way you can do that is just simply by subscribing. Um, subscribing wherever you're listening to this. Um, this part won't be on YouTube, I don't think, but if you are, if you do watch the, the video version of the interview on YouTube, it'd be great if you sub- could subscribe there um, and wherever you're listening to this. If you also would like to rate us, rate the podcast like five stars, that'd be great. <laughs> um, if you would like to leave a review, that would also be great. Um, all those things help people find the podcast and help it, you know, get from the bottom of the list to somewhere, <laughs> somewhere that's more visible. I don't know what that means, but, um, so yeah, there's that. And then I also have a Patreon. So I have a Patreon for the show. It's, um, patreon.com slash the astrology show. And there's three tiers, the first tier is a conjunction. Um, it's $3 a month. And you basically get lots of love from me for for um, being a patron. But you'll also get episodes um, before they air. And so early access. Um, then there's the $6 tier, which is called the sextile. Um, and with that, you'll get early access. And you'll also get access to... A monthly AMA with me so you can come and ask any astro questions you have or you know life questions I don't know <laughs> um, and you can ask me there at the AMA um, you can submit a question if you can't make it live and it'll all be recorded so that's at the six dollar tier at the sextile and then there's a trine which is the ten dollar tier and with that um, I'm going to be picking someone from that tier once a month to receive a reading with me. It'll be recorded um, and played on the podcast. So that I'm really looking forward to because I just love giving readings. So that's like a a nice, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to get started with that. Um, so yeah, you can check me out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the astrology show. Um, best of luck with this uh, astro weather with this this full moon and this, um, you know, this Venus, Mars, Saturn, T square. (laughs) I have a, I've been getting a lot of clients that have that natally and, you know, maybe not cardinal, but whatever. And, uh, I feel for, I feel for all of them. I feel for everyone right now who's feeling the intensity of the moment. Um, and again, please be kind to yourself. Be, give yourself, I maybe just listen to what your body needs and then sit with that and respond in the kindest way possible. And with that, I'm going to leave you with the Orphic Hymn to the Moon. Talk to you next week. Bye. Here, Goddess Queen, diffusing silver light, bullhorned and wandering through the gloom of night. With stars surrounded and with circuit wide, Night's torch extending through the heavens you ride. Female and male, with silvery rays you shine, and now full-orbed, now tending to decline. Mother of ages, fruit-producing moon, whose amber orb make night's reflected noon. Lover of horses, splendid queen of night, all-seeing power bedecked with starry light. 
lover of vigilance, the foe of strife, and peace rejoicing in a prudent life. Fair lamp of night, its ornament and friend, who give us to nature's works their destined end. Queen of the stars, all-wise Diana hail, decked with a graceful robe and ample veil. Come, blessed goddess, prudent, starry bright, come, moony lamp, with chaste and splendid light. Shine on these sacred rites with prosperous rays, and please accept thy suppliance, mystic praise.